Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As always, fantastic worship. And I like the, or is it a violin, fiddle? What? It's both, it's both, depending on the song. It's great to have uh, Terry and Tiffany here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Uh, your ministry looks fantastic. I'm anxious to hear more about it myself. So, All right, we are going through the Soul Reset series. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a time that uh, our, and I'll, let me encourage you, before I begin to participate at 7 o'clock on Sundays in our group or 8.30 on Wednesday nights. Uh, but we, it kind of goes hand in hand. We continue the conversation. And it's that sharing is part of how we reset our souls. So let me encourage you to participate in that. And as I visit with people and I, I visit with family, visit with church members, I see that there's still, there's like, Old frustrations maybe have subsided, and now we have new frustrations. As we go to school, as we go to uh, extended period of time, not knowing when this is going to end. Uh, let me throw you a bone, give you some hope. Uh, I know the board has got together, and we have a team for reopening. Uh, we don't have a date, but we just have a team that's working on... Um, what that's going to look like whenever, so when that time does come, we're ready to go. So um, let that give you some hope as we at least are looking forward. All right, our scripture this morning comes out of, <clears throat> excuse me, 1 Kings, and it's at uh, chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I'm not better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for your journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. This is the word of God for the people of God. Up until this point, we've been talking about really whether we said it or not, we've been talking about going through the valley, right? We're going through difficult times, uh, could be because of work, 
obviously because of the virus, staying home, all the school issues and virtual learning, not virtual learning, and just a lot of stuff going on, and kind of going through the valley. And we've been talking about how that wears you out spiritually, emotionally, physically. But today I want to talk, we're still talking about our soul needing to be reset. We're still talking about uh, being burnt out, wore out, but we're going to have a little different twist on it today from our story, and that is when not just walking through the valleys can we get burnt out, but as we see in our story and some other similar stories, coming down off the mountain can wear you out too. Coming down off the mountain, you can have a huge letdown, as we see with Elijah. And to give you a little background, um, Ahab was, it says in Scripture, he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, than all the kings before him. That's a bad king. There was a lot of bad kings, and it's saying Ahab was the worst. God's frowned so much on it that he, he said that Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain for the next few years except at my word. So he brought in a drought. And, and that was part of the mountaintop. So Elijah had two mountaintop experiences. Before he hits his broom, what I call his broom brush moments, right? Where he's just had enough. First, he, it's, many of you are familiar with the story about him taking on the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Uh, 450 prophets of Baal, uh, 400 prophets of Asherah. They met at the top of Mount Carmel. And many of you know the story. It was a test about whose God is really God. And they, they were set up a fire on the altar, and they waited for their god, Baal, to, to start the fire, and nothing happened. Nothing happens. It's so much, it's, I, I didn't know until I read this story for the first time that there's smack talk in Scripture, <laughs> Right? If you read the story, that uh, Elijah starts getting up and say, oh, maybe he forgot. Maybe he's on vacation. And, you know, he's really talking smack. He's building it up. And then God comes, and not only does he light the fire, Elijah tells him first to wet it down. And he said, wet it again, wet it again, just to prove how powerful God is. And so he defeats them, and then he gets rid of them. And then... He goes back up to the top of the mountain, and he looks for a rain cloud. He tells Ahab to go look seven times, and all of a sudden it begins to rain. So he's had a pretty good series of events. He's had two mountaintop experiences, literally. He was on top of the mountain, and up there he saw the power and the glory and the faithfulness of God. And then... Just for kicks, God ends the drought when he goes back up again. And that's where we pick up our story. Elijah hears that Jezebel is out to kill him, and he's afraid, which is a little odd because he just took on 450, well, 850 total prophets of Baal and Asherah. 
But he's afraid, and he's coming down off the mountaintop, both literally and figuratively. He's coming down off the mountaintop where he saw God's power. He saw God's faithfulness. It was a glorious moment, and he comes to what I call his broom bush moment, and he's just done. He said, I've had enough. I just want to die. You know, I've, here I did all this stuff, and I represented God, I stayed faithful to God, I took on, I went face to face with the the other prophets, and God did a miraculous thing, and now I'm still on the run, and I still got more stuff to do, and he's just wore out. And we see this dynamic other places in Scripture, right? Moses, when he goes up. To the top of the mountain, he gets the Ten Commandments in in this glorious moment with God. And he comes down, and his people are making idols, golden calf. He says, you got to be kidding me. That was his broom brush moment. And then even Jesus, uh, uh, he goes on top of the mountain, transfiguration, and uh, There they see Moses and Elijah, two other mountaintop people, and and Peter gets so excited that he wants to build an altar to him, and it's a glorious moment. He's identified as the Son of God. And then he comes down, and right off the bat, there's a demon-possessed boy, his his, uh, disciples can't get it out, they're lacking faith, it's just, uh, all right, I guess my mountaintop moment is over. And so, we all kind of, there, there seems to be this trend. I think it's human nature. I think, I'm going to give you three reasons why I think there's this, this letdown that can happen, can occur after we have these mountaintop experiences in our lives. <clears throat> First one, it's just emotion, right? When you have a truly mountaintop experience, and you, we can have... We can come up with some mountaintop experiences that maybe aren't in the Christian realm, just regular life type things. But let's look at, just talk about mountaintop when it comes to God. Experiencing God, His power, His glory, His faithfulness. That's an emotional thing. When you truly have one of those, it's powerful. And it could be, I know people have those mountaintop experience on retreats, like walk to Emmaus, uh, Kairos, prison ministry. I've worked Kairos, and by the second day, you forget you're in prison with, with, with hardened criminals. They're just brothers in Christ, and you're there, and you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It's a mountaintop, because the Holy Spirit is so strong. And when you come away from those experiences, when you're done and the adrenaline's gone, you're just spent. You know, they tell people when you do these kind of things, take an extra day just to catch your breath and to recoup. Mission trips, you know, those are mountaintop experiences for people. I remember when I first went to Africa, wow, I was just blown away. Everything was new. Everything was amazing. God was showed up. But boy, that just, it just kind of wears you out. Those, those are mountaintop experiences. I was, I'm sure you guys see that with your teams all the time. And it just kind of drains you. But it's not 
just emotionalism. The next one has to do more with human nature. And specifically human nature as kind of molded in our culture, especially America and the Western world. And that is that there's, there's this thing called, an article I read, it's called the arrival fallacy. In the old days, I think we called it something similar, the grass is always greener. And that had to do with what other people had. But the arrival fallacy says that when I achieve a certain thing, when I achieve this great thing, then I will be happy. I will be fulfilled. But studies show that's not the case. Our whole culture is built on achievement. It's, it's achievement-driven. Accomplish things. Buy this house. Get this car. Get this job. Get this much money. And if we think when we get there, we're going to find happiness. But that's not what studies show. You know what studies show that the number one predictor of happiness is? Quality time with loved ones. In other words, as we know it, relationships. That is the number one predictor of happiness and fulfillment. But we still, and so there can be a letdown. You know, when you have this, he achieved this huge moment. He took on the prophets. He won. Now what? Where do you go from there? Right? This, there's always, it can bring, achievement can bring some short-term term happiness and fulfillment, but it's not long-term. But God can use those. You know, we know God takes all things, all things, and works them for our greater good and for his glory. And so God can take those moments of letdown, those broom bush moments after something big has happened, and and use those to bring us closer to that, closer to God. Uh, a lot of you probably know the name Leo Tolstoy, famous Russian um, author. He had a broom bush moment, and in his moment, he found Christ. He was 52 years old. He had he had had his his best novels were behind him. His famous War and Peace, Anna Karina. I think that's a, is that the last name? Close enough. Well, if you don't know, that's, that's it. Uh, um, and he had money, he had family, he had land, he had everything you could want. And yet, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. And he, during this time, he would watch the common folks that didn't have near what he had, and he would see that they had joy. And that they had, had joy in their relationships. They had fulfillment. They seemed to have peace. And over time, as he thought about this, he said, it must be their faith. And that led him to go out into the woods on a little sabbatical, and, and he became a Christian. I, I can relate to that, not the writer part. But growing up, I grew up, divorced mom, uh, all my friends had affluent families, whole families, and I was always, the grass is always greener. 
right? If I get, uh, a lot of my goals were around sports. If I get here, I'll be happy. If I, if I can be varsity, I'll be happy. If I can be a starter on varsity, I'll be happy. If I could, you know, so there's a lot of football stuff. If I go to Indiana University, I always wanted to go to Indiana University because I lived there as a little child. If I go there, I'll be happy. Well, I got there. And, and it was good for a little while. But it wasn't lasting. And so, without going through the list, there's a lot of things that I went searching for. If I get this, if I go there, if I have this, I'm going to be happy. And luckily, I got most of the things I set out to get, but I was never permanently happy or fulfilled, which eventually led me to Christ. Maybe I, they look happy, they look fulfilled. Maybe that's what it is. So I tried it, and I prayed, and I came to Christ. So we have these broom brush moments, and, and it can, there can be a letdown. It can be emotional. It could be because of our human nature, right, that what now? It doesn't get better than that, which leads to our last uh, point about why um, there can be letdowns, especially in the Christian mountaintop experience. Because once you get a glimpse of heaven, it's hard to go back into the world. Once you've had a ex mountaintop experience, it's tough to go back into the valley. But that's something we have to, that's where our faith comes in. We need to realize we're going to get there someday, but it's not today. Our job is to be in the valley, to bring light into the darkness, to, to be built up so we can go down into the valley. And so it's this contrast when we, when we see a little glimpse of heaven of the kingdom, it's hard to go back down into the valley. You know, on a walk to Emmaus, they say, that is not for, it is not for young Christians or non-Christians. It's not a place to evangelize and bring people to Christ. Well, you can bring them anywhere you want, but the, the danger is, and I've seen it because I've worked a lot of them, is that when you find Christ on the mountaintop, it can give you the misunderstanding that it's all like that for the rest of your life. Right? And I've seen people that have had those kind of experiences, and they got to work themselves out when the world comes at them again. And they say, wait, I thought that was all over. I thought it was all downhill from here. They say, no, not really. Actually, there, you, if you just receive Christ, it just started. That's where the wrestling begins between the flesh and the spirit. And so when we have those moments where we've been on a mission trip, when we have gone um, in a prison ministry and you just are so lost and filled and surrounded by the Holy Spirit, you don't want to go home. It's hard to come back. 
But we have to remember that we in this life are not made for the mountaintops. The mountaintops are made for us. And we're not made to stay on the mountaintops. The mountaintops are a time where we get a glimpse. We remember what, who our God is in his love and his power. We get a chance to get filled up so we can go back down into the valley. One of my favorite devotionals, uh, I hadn't read it for a long time, but it's Upmost, from, Upmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers. Great devotional. If you're looking for something during this pandemic time, I'd recommend it. But there's one on October 1st. It talks about the mountaintop. It says, we are not made for the mountains. Those are simply intended to be moments of inspiration. We are made for the valley the ordinary things of life. And that is where we have to prove our stamina and strength. Yet our spiritual selfishness always wants us to repeat the moments on the mountain. The true test of our spiritual life is exhibiting the power to descend from the mountain. We don't want to be guilty of emotionalism although emotion's a part of it. But we just don't want to be chasing that next thing. I've seen it, you guys probably seen it on mission trips. People love to go on mission trips, especially first times. And it's exciting, it's new. And when the exciting and new wear off, if you've been a couple times, people stop going. The need hadn't stopped, has it? No. That's when you go back when the exhilaration, when the thrill maybe have lost its luster or its newness, that's when the real work begins. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for those mountaintop moments where we get a glimpse of your glory, of your love, of your faithfulness, of your power, and how that renews our face, fills us with your spirit, that we might go down into the valley and share the truth of a powerful, glorious, loving God with a hurting world. Lord, we thank you for the mountaintops and we praise you for the valleys. Strengthen us individually and collectively as a church, that we might be your people, proclaiming your word and your will to this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.